0: You're listening to the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into online marketing topics, covering search, content, CRO, social, and performance optimization to help you level up your marketing. No hacks, no shortcuts, only long-term success. Here are your hosts, Slobodan Manich and Catherine Kambow.
1: Today, we're going to tell you about Core Web Vitals and everything you need to prepare for this update, especially if you own an online store. We'll discuss the common reasons that cause poor Core Web Vital scores and what you can do to optimize your site so you don't lose traffic and revenue when this happens. Make sure you stick around till the end because we'll share a bunch of practical tips to help you. Hi, everyone. Hi, Slobanon. And by the way, before I let you speak, I just checked that your first post about Core Web Vitals was about 11 months ago. So this is something that you've been you've been talking about for a long time.
0: Yes. Hi, Catherine. I'm doing great. I'm excited about this update. I hope everyone shares at least just a little bit of my excitement because this is, this is a big update. This is a huge update. And this is the first time. The reason it's so big is this is the first time that Google is doing something that will make websites better for the end users. Well, if you count the mobile update, they sort of did that as well for mobile users, but this is this is gonna make the web a better place for everyone and Google is not doing that for you like let's not get let's not get crazy about it. They're doing this because it's going to probably cut their costs crawling the website. They can do it more efficiently if the websites are fast. But you know this is the kind of thing where your mom tells you to clean up your room. And you don't know why she wants it because you're going to be playing again tomorrow. You, you're fine with mess, but it's just something you need to do. And then in the end, when you do it, everyone will appreciate the clean room. This is the same thing or a similar thing because not, there's no rooms here. Speed up the website. Users will love it. Google will love it. It will be easier to manage. So this is a very, very good update and I cannot wait to see the effect that it has.
1: Yep. And if you're listening it, at- As very close to when we publish it, it's gonna be like a few days before May. So that's when Google announced that they will roll out core web vitals and the page experience update. So if you haven't started, this is the perfect episode to help you fix whatever that is that you need to fix on your website. So
0: you know, you know what else is perfect? This is a perfect time to 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 have a plug. So no Hacks marketing started as a podcast and we decided to turn it into an agency as well. And one of our core services is updating WordPress websites for core web vitals and other yes. websites as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if this is something you need help with, all you need to do is go to nohacksmarketing.com or email us at hello at nohacksmarketing.com and let's, let's fix that website. Anyway, let's get back to the episode. <laughs> That's What's our true. first plug. It's, yeah, it felt good.
1: Yeah, yeah. So definitely, we're here to help. But to go back to this podcast, we're also here to give you some i some um, updates about what core web vitals are. Is it a really a big deal? Like I'm sure you've been seeing it already. Well, first, Core Web Vitals were introduced last May 2020 to give website owners one year to prepare. So that's unlike their other updates. And they also provided access to about six different tools to help you measure your Core Web Vitals scores. Plus, it affects all types of sites. And to quote LeBron
0: James, that's not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. That's six different tools you got from Google to prepare your website and a year to prepare yep. Core Web Vitals.
1: So yes, it's Go a major on. thing. It's a big deal because it will become part of the search ranking factors by May, 2021. And as you know, if you don't fix this, I mean, the, the thing with SEO is what we want to do is preventive measures all the time and not reactive. So this is your time to really act on this if you haven't yet. And maybe you're asking why the hell roll out this Core Web Vitals update I mean I think Google is really um, cracking in the poor user experience especially on mobile so that's good for us especially the we use mobile we use the web a lot it's to address frustrating user experience and a way like finding a way to measure the quality of experience on the web like a standard way for everyone all the website owners to be able to rate if you, you know how their experience or how the users are experienced. Right. The, the the website and i think the 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 currently only 15 percent of websites are ready which is terrible and we have to and really when you
0: say are ready that means only 15 percent of websites have scores have that can be qualified good, good or yeah. green when you're doing the test uh, for all three core web vitals yeah which is just just a scary Solo. scary yeah to know. yeah
1: and that's the reason why we're talking about this topic now. And this is our second episode about Core Web Vitals. If you have a time and want to dig deeper, you can check out our first episode. It's a full length, hardcore topic about Core Web it's Vitals. It's very
0: hardcore. It was a very <laughs> bad episode looking at it from today because it was the first thing we ever recorded. But hey, there's a lot of good knowledge in that one. So yeah, if you want to more, go back to episode one. It's a very long episode where we talk about this in in a lot of detail, like all three core web vitals, we break them down. We'll go through that today, but specifically when considering e-commerce websites. But if you want to know more, if you want to go deeper and you want to learn it in a podcast form, go back to our first episode and and you'll figure it out. So anyway, let's just do a very quick recap of what core web vitals are. There are three of them. Mm -hmm. Currently, there are three of them. This is going to evolve over time. There may be more, there may be less, but currently there are three and you may know them as LCP, FID, and CLS or Largest Contentful Paint, which is the amount of time it takes for the largest element in the page to be displayed. FID, First Input Delay, the number of milliseconds it takes for the page to respond to the first user interaction like click, tap, swipe, pinch to zoom, anything like that, anything that's not a scroll, anything that's an active interaction. And cumulative layout shift, which is something that quantifies your layout stability during the page load and page lifetime. So, if elements jump around, you're going to get a bad score for that. And you want it to be as close to zero as possible. So, those are the three. Currently, there are three. But the thing is, they will be evolving over time. And that's something we want to talk about today because the third one I just mentioned, CLS, cumulative layout shift, just got its first update. And maybe we can just explain. What that is now, Catherine, do you think that would be a good yep. idea? Before
1: good. we move into that, just a quick mention also, if you know they're trying to look at their scores right now, LCP, you want to score anywhere between 2.5 seconds or less. First input delay or load responsiveness, 100 milliseconds, and then cumulative layout shift score of 0.1 or less. So- right, and,
0: and for, for LCP, that means you have 2 two. seconds to display the largest element in the page or else if you think about it or you know the page will seem to be or appear like a slow page first input delay anything more than 100 milliseconds for the page to respond you can notice the lag and you want to avoid that lag and then cumulative layer shift just get down to zero don't don't look at 0.1 just get it down to zero 0.0 something because it's definitely doable
1: and I guess and, if you're uh, listening and you so that you can relate better, go to Google PageSpeed Insights and put your website, your domain, just so you can right. see your current scores. But yeah, right. what's and, what's but new? There with, are
0: two things. There are two you? things to talk about here as well, or two different ways to measure this. There's the lab data, which is what PageSpeed Insights or or Lighthouse tests or anything like that would do for you. So, a lab. Basically, it's a controlled environment. You're running the test yourself. And then there's the field data, which is the data that is collected from actual users who visit your website. And this field data, which you can find in the Chrome User Experience Report, or CRUX, I think is the way to pronounce it, is what will affect the ranking. So it, it's kind of not really fair because if your audience has fast devices and fast connections, your scores are going to be better. If you're dealing with audience that has slow connection and old devices, of course, your LCP is going to be higher. Your input delay is going to be higher. Layout shift, I don't think that matters as much. Like The device speed and network speed matters as much with layout shifts. But anyway, uh, the whole idea here is that you need to be optimizing your website for the audience you have. So if your audience is seniors using their old phones or, you know, all slow internet connections because you have a website that provides information for them well you need to make it work for them you need to make it Great. work well on a slow connection you need to make it work well with old devices and that's the whole point you're optimizing for your audience not for you know when you're building a website you're probably going to be doing it on, on a new computer a super fast network that's just not the case that's just not how it is not so for that's, everyone that's really the, the the way you will be graded or the way you, these scores will be measured is from actual users. And it's users that use Chrome browser because this is Google. And then that that data is what will affect the, ra- the rankings. But let's right. get uh, back to CLS and that. Uh, yes. That what's core new? Vital and how it's updated.
1: Yeah. What's new? Right. And since they talked about this in May 2020, what's happening now? What the Google say about core vitals and CLS? So...
0: The way the metric was set up, it was measuring all the layout shifts during page lifetime. So you load a page and then you interact with the page for 10 minutes. You scroll down, you know, there's infinite scroll, new content gets loaded. All those layout shifts would add up and you end up with a horrible score. The way, in, the, in field data, at least in lab data, it's going to be completely different. So this was sort of bad for pages that are good. You know, if, if people interact with the page longer, that's what everyone wants. Mm-hmm. And that cumulative score of adding up all the layout shifts and, and getting that end number was bad for pages where people will stick around longer. So what they did now is they changed the way this is measured. So all of the layout shifts, when you're, when you're loading a page, when you're inter- interacting with the page, they don't just happen randomly. They happen in blocks or session windows, as they call it here. So what they will do now is they will measure the cumulative layout shift for the largest session window. So the session window that has the most layout shifts will be the metric, will will be the number that will be used for CLS. What that means is you load a page and some elements jump around and that is your first session window. Let's say your CLS score for that session window would be, let's make it bad, let's say it's 0.25. Then you scroll down the page and your new content loads because of course you're lazy loading the content, you're not just loading everything at once. And the CLS score for that session window would be 0.1. So the page in the end would have a score of 0.35 because you add those two up, assuming there are only two session windows. And if if there are 10 and you add 10 times 0.1, you're gonna have one point something as your end score for CLS. And that's just terrible. And it doesn't represent the actual situation with the page. So what will happen now is your worst CLS for in a session window, the session window with the worst or highest CLS score, that will be the CLS score for the page.
1: The worst. It, so it they're going to get sense. the yes, worst.
0: The highest number. But what that means is no one will get a higher CLS score compared to before. Because a lot of pages will get their scores to go down or become better. Because
1: what, if you add what, up
0: all the CLS... Yeah, but you said ahead.
1: maximum session window. What does, does that mean? Uh, that's the the longest- session,
0: window. session window is just a block of, or, or a collection of layout shifts that happen close to one another in time. Got it. That, that's just a session window. And then the session window that has the highest total CLS score in that window or in that interval is going to be the CLS score for the page rather than adding up all of those session window scores. So maybe you would have had 0.5 but your highest scoring session window had 0.25. Your score before was 0.5. Now it's 0.25. So it's actually better. No one is going to get a higher score because of this change. And this is really good. And this represents ex- page experience in a much better way than what they had before. I'm really, really happy with this change.
1: Yeah, that's good, it, I think
0: it's an excellent... It just shows that, Core Web Vitals are something that's alive and it's going to evolve over time and, and exactly be made better yep. over time. Correct. That said, I think I think we, we covered this new update. It, it's really good. I think a lot of people are talking about this, like it's a bad thing. You know, they haven't even officially launched this update, page experience update. They're already changing the metric. Like, why are they doing that? This is stupid. No, it's not. This is better. This is something that's going to evolve as the internet and the way we use the internet evolves,
1: and this is one it's of the few thing. times that Google is transparent and tells us ahead of time to prepare for this, and you know gives us all this tools, so we can't complain about that, right?
0: I think a year to make your site not terribly slow is enough. I'm just gonna say <laughs> that because you can you can fix this in a for well for most WordPress websites, there's this agency called No Marketing Agency that can fix this in a week or even faster so if you need this just you know go to our website right Uh, that was plug number two this is a good this is a very good thing and there's still even if even though it's mid-april as we're recording this there's still enough time to prepare, prepare my my guess is that this is not going to cause any massive massive shifts in ranking like if you rank number one and you have score that's good but not great you're not gonna drop off to page 10 of, of, right. Of that makes sense.
1: We really don't know. But still, way.
0: you're making the website better for your users and everybody wins. And they, they're they more likely to convert
1: if That's the page true. is
0: stable, loads fast, and you know there, there are no input delays and or, or anything like that. You, you need to work on this. But the episode is how to pre- prepare your e-commerce website for Core Web Vitals. So let's yeah. talk about...
1: We we talked State about earlier
0: and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we said about 15% of websites are only have good core web vital scores. What about in e-commerce? Like what, how, how prepared are e-commerce sites?
0: Right. So I, I as I was researching, trying to find some numbers for this episode, I found a study that uh, a British SEO agency called Radico did. And it's pretty scary. It's pretty bad. Only, uh, I think only uh, 13% of e-commerce websites. And these are December top top
1: 500 retail brands in the UK. So that is correct. More. That is
0: correct. This, so only, this list, only 13%.
1: Yeah, this list contains like Amazon, Adidas, all the the major...
0: Wish, which we'll wish, talk yep, about yep. because it, it's a funny example. Yes, only 13% of so e-commerce that's bad. brands from that list were good, good, good. Like green Green all over for all three core web vitals and that's that just like why <laughs> can someone explain that to me and uh, you know it's not really not good but if you break it down by all three core web vitals uh, 177 out of 500 get good lcp score that's 35 percent 439 get good fid score 87 percent which was shocking to me because mm-hmm. I, I expected this number would, would be much lower and 158 get good CLS score, 31%. I'm guessing with this new change, that number will be higher because the CLS score will will improve just because of the, the way metric is measured for a lot of brands. It's kind of bad. like it, it, It's really bad that so many websites are just not, not doing great. And the thing, the Wish example, the Wish.com or Wish Co. UK, I'm not sure which one they were measuring, that's the only one that was really crushing it and yeah. getting a high, uh, not only web vitals, core web vitals, but also high page speed score. Above Overall, 90, I think. yeah.
1: So one in yes. 500.
0: The reason for that is when you go to their homepage, there's a login form and nothing else. So it's not really like out of 500, the study was retail X's 2021 top 500 retail brands. So that those are the websites they, they covered. There's one that's really good that performs really well and that one has a login form on for the homepage it. and they were testing home pages only
1: and maybe no. i guess you'll we'll talk about this more but my guess is because these are e-commerce sites we love pop-ups and you know hello bars and all those additional distractions on um the on, I mean, on the e-commerce top page i if a 500
0: brand retail brand is using hello bar great for hello bar but oh my god like why would you do that or you know the the hey welcome to our website that you never visited before. How about giving us your email? Yep. I I right hope now. not. I hope not because yeah I I just don't know. What worries me the most here is poor LCP score. Almost two-thirds of websites have don't have a good score there, uh, and meaning it takes a lot of time for them to yeah. share the content. That, let's that let's matters. talk
1: about that. Like let's um, talk about. Each of the score vitals also start with largest content full Let's page. do that. Let's do that. So we're talking about e-commerce stores. So definitely product pages will contain products as the main, main element, correct?
0: Right. Uh, so product image. So if you're talking about a product page, yes. If, if it's a product page that's uh, conventional, that makes sense to a lot of users, the image is what people will want to see. Because if I'm buying something, in most cases, they want to see what it looks like. So that image is what needs to be loaded as soon as possible. And that image needs to be shown to the user or delivered, presented by the browser in 2.5 seconds or less. And the way field data is measured here, that 2.5 seconds or less needs to happen for 75% of your users that visit your website with Chrome browsers. And then your LCP score will be good. So 75% in two point five seconds or less, it sounds easy, like it, you know how long does it take to download an image, but that's really not what this is about, because for that image to be presented to be displayed to the user in browser, first, the browser sends the request to your server, then your server needs to do the the backend magic and and you know create the web page or deliver the web page, send it back to the user. Then the browser needs to process the HTML it was sent back, and then the CSS, and then the JavaScript, and then it needs to download the image. And there's a lot of render blocking stuff like CSS and JavaScript. Two point five seconds or less. Like, let's say that's let's a challenge. You're, it's a challenge. It's doable. It's absolutely doable. But the more you complicate your website, by, by unnecessary scripts or third party libraries and stuff like that, the, the the more difficult it gets. So, let's say you have a slow server. Not even slow, let's say your server response time is two hundred milliseconds, so out of the box, you lose ten percent of your l c p basically or if you want to hit the good score and let's say let's say the h t m l is overly complex. you're using a, a i don't know a page builder to generate your content and there there's divs inside of divs on top of divs and all that stuff, and the h t m l is a lot more complex than it needs to be. And let's say you have a lot of render blocking JavaScript and CSS. And now what that means is, render blocking, what that means is the browser needs to process that file before it can display the page. Because if you're sending your main style sheet and that style sheet is extremely, like it's huge, it happens. That can happen. Or you have a lot of style sheets or JavaScript files the browser needs to calculate all those CSS rules and put them together before it can display anything in the page because HTML on its own or you know, the content of the page, in order for browser to display that, it needs to know where each element goes and what it looks like. And that's CSS and that can be affected by JavaScript. And if that is render blocking, it's loaded as render blocking, it's trouble. That can take a lot of time, even on a, uh, on a machine that's not as slow. So it's not only about downloading those files, it's about processing them and it's not your powerful server that you can boost by paying more. It, it's the user's device. This, that is going to do the processing. Right. And that's where you get in trouble. That's where there, there's a lot of client-side issues because let's say, I, I mentioned the field data earlier. And if you have, if your audience, if your users use slow devices and slow connections, you're in trouble. You, you cannot ha- use modern, modern libraries. You cannot have... A megabyte of JavaScript and have the device process that. So yeah.
1: Then what can we do then? If how can we address this issue, especially if we're dealing with a right. product page with all this these issues? I mean, I don't want to say go get a higher plan server. No, it's just like
0: that, that, that a common band aid. <laughs> it doesn't work here. Get a higher plan on your, for your hosting only if your server response time is terrible. If your server response time is acceptable, that's not where the problem is. The problem is with what the server is sending back. And it's sending back whatever you told the server to send back. So, where do you start with this? I mentioned render blocking resources, eliminate as many of those as possible. So, most websites, we cannot talk about websites in 2021 without mentioning the, you know, the the elephant in the room or the thing that takes pride in powering 40% of the web WordPress. And it's a great platform. A lot of people use it. A lot of people use it in a good way, but more people use it in a bad way because themes that load 20 JavaScript and then 20 CSS files, and then every plugin loading is files and loading them in every single page when you need it or don't need it. That's what slows you down. That's the terrible thing that happens to your website. So are you, you saying start by- you
1: just removing those unnecessary plugins? Is it
0: only 100%. plugins. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. If if it's if it's a, a CMS platform where you can remove plugins. If you have a custom made website, just remove the libraries you don't need. Yes. So what you would need to do first is when optimizing for LCP, but for the other core web vitals as well, do the audit of everything that the page is sending or or the server is sending back to the browser. See how many JavaScript files there are. See how many CSS files you have, and with WordPress, this gets bad really, really easy, really fast, and then when you see everything like when you see you have a wish list plugin that is I don't know loading its JavaScript file in the cart page where there's no wish list functionality, you're going to just ask yourself why is it doing that to me, and maybe you know I don't either don't need the wish list functionality or there's a better way to implement it and it, it's not just wish list like this is for any feature. Where that you solve by installing a plugin, you're what you're doing is you're sort of outsourcing the speed and performance of your website to a developer that you never talk to. It sounds crazy. It sounds really right. crazy, but it is and for the first time in history, there's going to be an actual reason to think about this more you know in a more strategic way. So the way right. you start is you try to eliminate as much as possible as many assets in JavaScript, CSS files as possible. That is the first thing to do. Second, it, you want to compress or minify everything that's left there. And you can do that. It, we're talking about WordPress. You can have a, a caching plugin or a minify plugin that's going to minify and What that means is just remove the empty spaces from 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 your text files, from JavaScript and CSS files. So they're smaller. It, 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 it's still means that the browser will need to process everything, but the download will be, will be a little bit faster. Finally, what about what we want images? To
1: do is, yeah. Do you compress uh, We're that talking about as images
0: well? because this is, yes, this is a product page, e-commerce website, main product page, uh, main, main product image, which is supposed to be a large image. It may take some time to download it. Not really if it's optimized, it's not going to be that much of a problem, but a good practice here is to preload that image. So, The way you would do that is very early in in, in the HTML uh, for the page, you would just have a a link preload tag and that's where you would preload that image before it's actually requested by the page. So by the time browser has processed the HTML and needs to show that image, it already has downloaded it. And there's no extra weight at that point. It's a small improvement, but it, it can make a difference. That's the way you would handle the image. To, right. to, just to recap this because we, I get carried away when I talk about four with vitals like I, I could talk about: get so this. passionate
1: about all these things so. I
0: use my I use my my hands when I speak I, I know I know it, 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 it's a very it, it's a touchy topic it's, it's important it matters okay. to recap LCP clean up what's called your critical rendering path as much as possible. And that means anything that's going to prevent the browser from displaying the page, like unnecessary CSS files or JavaScript files or unused CSS rules. If you're using plugins or page builders or themes that, you know, do everything for you, everything you don't need and like 1% of things that you need, it's very likely that they have a CSS file with like 20,000 CSS rules and you're using 200 in the page. And just... If you cannot do this yourself, find a developer that can help you, or you know maybe we can do that. You just need to eliminate everything that's not needed in the page. That is step one for solving yep. the Core Web Vitals puzzle, especially especially LCP or Largest Contentful Paint, Because to show what matters, you need to remove what doesn't. It's just as simple as that.
1: Right. So that's, so that's LCP. LCP. Yep. What about first input? We're still talking about a product page example here. Yeah. The first input delay is the responsiveness, right? Like if you, if
0: traditional mobile responsiveness sense, this is page responding to your request.
1: Yeah. When you click on a button or a link, how fast can you, uh, can your website right. react, right? So um, give right. me an example. So we're still talking Let's about product, product page. page. Yeah.
0: Product page again. So you're, you're unlikely to have only one product image there. It's probably going to be more than one. You're gonna have and a gallery and then, then maybe a video. And they can, or a video, yes, in that gallery. So I'm looking at the first image that was preloaded as we recommended in the previous section, and it was displayed really fast. It was there instantly. And I wanna to switch to image number two. I wanna I wanna switch that gallery. I want to look at a different angle of the product. And if FID or first input delay is has a poor score i will notice th- that that there's a a delay in the interaction like when i request a second image it's going to take some time for the page to 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 do anything or if you know if there's a on mobile there's a menu that you know the hamburger icon that you want to open that can have a delay that can have a lag so and
1: when we were talking about the CRO episode, we were talking about the hot charts, rage clicks. This is probably the reason why people oh, yes.
0: would. Well, not the only reason, but a reason for sure, for sure. This why is
1: people keep clicking on one part of your nice
0: blog? We had a CRO episode as well. Yes, conversion research. So two, actually two episodes. So yeah, this is when when something like this happens and the page does respond, but not immediately. It means that the browser or the main thread of the browser is busy doing something else, processing something else, or working on a long task, as it's called. And if the main thread of your browser is working on something else, it's going to have to wait for your uh, interaction. is going to have to wait for that main thread task to be finished. And then it's going to process what you're sending. Why this happens? A heavy JavaScript pages, like pages that have a lot of JavaScript code and non-optimized JavaScript code. So if you have tasks that take, I think a long task is anything that takes more than uh, I think 50 milliseconds by definition. So anything that the browser needs more than 50 milliseconds to process, like some JavaScript function or you know, whatever, is considered a slow task. The more of these you have, of course, the worse or more likely that you are going to have a poor FID score. Now, and the thing with first input delay.
1: Just one thing about the yeah. 15 milliseconds. Because for FID, we're targeting 100 milliseconds, which sounds like super fast. But I just yeah. read somewhere that there's like a 1960-65 report that says that 100 milliseconds is equivalent to the feeling of instantaneous reaction. So it's like rooted on human behavior. So it makes sense. It's not like impossible.
0: Right, look at you digging deep. On Core Web Vitals, oh my gosh. 1965 and can Core you Web imagine. Vitals. Like, <laughs> it, we're living in the matrix. It, it it It's all coming together now. They knew about this in 1965. But yes, 100 milliseconds, any more than that, you can tell that something is off. But there's a, a delay. The thing.
1: Okay, so exactly. going back, you were saying WordPress and complex plugins can also affect
0: this. Right, yeah. because if you're just... Building a website by installing plugins. Like a lot of people do that. There's there's nothing wrong in doing it that way. There's wrong in not knowing what that may mean and how that may hurt your website. And hopefully we sort of bring the awareness of that with this episode and and future episodes as well. So when you're just adding code to your website, adding JavaScript code to your website, whether you're a, a, a small business owner who does it himself or you hire an agency that doesn't really know what they're doing, it could happen. It adds up. And you're adding, let's say, let's say you're installing a plugin that's, I don't know, some very specific feature. Let, let's talk about wishlist again. And that wishlist plugin may have, may have some kind of JavaScript file that, that, you know, when you click, it sends AJAX requests to the server. It adds this to a user-generated wishlist, all that stuff. That JavaScript file can be very complex. And, you know, the way WordPress loads files, it's probably going to fire as soon as the page loads, it's going to execute everything in that file. And that, if it's including some third-party libraries for some extra functionality, because that frequently happens, like jQuery is a library that's commonly used when it's not supposed to be used these days. Then, you know, it, it's going to be a long task for something fairly simple. And if you're just building a website or your website is built simply by installing plugins without auditing them and seeing the effect they have on performance, on first input delay, you're probably going to be in trouble. So and so what it, can
1: we do? Definitely, again, I think the other tip applies here as well. Remove all the unnecessary plugins to begin with.
0: That that applies to everything website related yes only have stuff that's supposed to be there like if you have this oh i have this cool new analytics thing like i, I want to use hot but i'm not sure how i'm going to add the code to the website don't do that don't add it to every page add it to the page that needs to have it because if you're not doing it that way you are probably going to have some problems the same so that's one principle for fixing applies don't don't have stuff there that's not supposed to be there. That, that that That's really, if you do that, you're like 90% there. Okay, what
1: else? And, and
0: if that didn't work, if your website was was custom built, if there's a lot of JavaScript, there, there are a lot of JavaScript powered website, like so many that JavaScript SEO has been a thing for a while. If, if it's built that way, talk to your developer who built your website, whoever built your website and tell them to break down those long tasks into smaller chunks. That's number one. So there's no... A single task is going to occupy the browser's main thread for more than, I don't know, 20, 30 milliseconds. So don't have those those long tasks that take a lot of time to process. And clear the critical rendering path. That's the same thing as before by removing right. anything that's not essential from it. And finally, don't use the main thread for the work that's not related to displaying the page. In in. In browsers, you can use these things called web workers, and you can just run JavaScript on background threads. So the browser's main thread, or you know, main processing thing, to to put it this way, is what's displaying the page, what's in charge of rendering the page. And if you throw something else and and have main thread work on that, that means the rendering can be delayed, and anything right. that's supposed to deal with user interactions.
1: Got it. This so is a that's... big thing. Like, that's f i d and the right. last one is cumulative layout shift. I think this is my favorite just because I can relate it visually. I can see it. I've had issues with it, and it's usually because of pop-ups or ads that um show up when you're trying to click something. Um, let's talk about that. How do popups, we,
0: ads, images, videos, anything yeah. that that you know just shows up randomly without the space being reserved beforehand. How so, do we
1: calculate uh, that?
0: Right, we talked about what it is and how it changed. So the number is probably going to get lower for you with this new update that just was made live this week as we're recording this in mid-April. The way you calculate it is you sum up all the layout shifts that happen in that session window. What a session window is, we just we explained that earlier in the in the episode. And a layout shift for an element is its impact fraction or how much how much of, of the page that element takes. So if the element is like 50% of the page and it moves down by 25% of the page, that means its shift will occupy 75% of the page because there's a 50% at the top and then it goes down by 25. Add that up, it's going to occupy, the, the the move is going to occupy 75% of the page total. So that's the shift region or impact fraction. And then there's a distance fraction, which is going to be, in this case, if it moves down by 25% of the page, it's going to be 0.25 or 25%. Multiply those two, and you get the layout shift score for that element. Add all the layout shift scores that happen in the page. That's your CLS score. So the more elements move and larger elements, your score is going to be worse.
1: Yep, And And it's really
0: easy, especially on mobile. Like if you have... a, a you have an ad that shows up at the top of the page, pushes yep. everything down. That means every element is going to shift and your score is going to be off the charts. So right. for, that, for that element, 0.5, uh, 0.7 0.1. Point, uh, oh. for, for impact fraction. But but for that element, that's like 50% of the page, moves down by 25%. Your score is going to be 0.5 multiplied by 0.25. And that's the CL. That's the the layout shift score for that element. And yes, you want your score to be under 0.1 for all elements combined. If you want to score, if you want to get a green score, you want to get a good score. 0.1 to 2.5 is you need improvement. 2.5 or more, sorry, man, you need to fix this. Like it's really, really, really bad.
1: Right. And we mentioned that one of the reasons are pop-ups or announcement bars. What can what other reasons can cause this this layout shift? Right.
0: So those are those are very common. Like anything that shows up in the page unexpectedly without the space being reserved for it is going to cause a layout shift. That could be an image that doesn't have width and height dimensions specified. So the browser before it loads the image doesn't know how much space it's going to take. That could be an ad that doesn't have a container because if you have an ad, if you have a banner ad on your website or any kind of ad, you know the dimensions of that ad. Just put it in a div or any container element that has that exact same height and width. It's really as simple as that. You
1: don't need to necessarily remove that ad or that element on that page. Not at all.
0: Not, Not at all. You just need to reserve the space for it. Like CLS is not about removing things from the page. It's about making sure nothing shifts as the page is loading right? or a, as the user is interacting with the page. You can have the ad, you can have the video, you can have whatever you want as long as that thing being loaded doesn't push everything else down or to the right or, you know, wherever. Right, it's and I just remembered
1: it from, from the other Core Web Vitals episode, you mentioned that among the three, this is the easiest to fix
0: or to address. For most websites, yes, it is. For most websites, it is because you may get scared when you see that you have a terrible CLS score. And it can happen. But for most websites, that's just one element messing things up and pushing everything down, something high up in the page. So it, it's pretty easy to fix. It should be easy to fix, but in some cases not. But yes, just make sure everything, make sure the page knows how much space to reserve for, for, for every single element that's going to load. And if we're going to use another Office reference, Let's talk about our favorite episode, the dinner party. The dinner party. Oh, okay. You know when they didn't want to invite Dwight because they only had four or six wine glasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six wine glasses, but he brought his two, you know? And and that's the thing. If if he told him, like, I'm going to bring my own two glasses, he would be welcome by those rules that they had. And that's what he did. So you know just make sure there's enough space and, and enough whatever anyone needs you forgot the, the best
1: page. part there they they have to be a couple so he brought his... um they have to be
0: a couple as well babysitter. yeah th- those are rules so so yes yes that 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 episode is so good <laughs> i've seen it five times this year i think so back to the episode uh cls another thing that can mess up your cls score is web fonts and you know there's that thing called font switch, or, or or I don't know the exact name of it, but you know, when the font loads and then switches, first you see one font and then it changes to whatever you, it's supposed to be, that can cause, especially if the font is a little bit bigger, or it takes more space, that can just push the content. You can make it instead of 10 lines of text, it can make it 15 lines of text or you know, whatever the numbers are, and that can push things around. So the way to fix this is reserve space for everything and preload the web fonts. The same way we talked about preloading the main product image Image, for LCP. Right, right. So that's about it. It, it. From my experience, CLS is usually like the easy one to fix. Like the really, really easy one to fix. Great,
1: great. Okay, so we talked a lot about that the three core vitals in detail. I think it's a good time to wrap up the episode. When we talk about auditing, that's the first step, right? So you can go to Google PageSpeed Insights or Google Search Console to check your current scores. My question is, which pages should they audit first? Is it a product page? That's
0: a very good question. That's a very good thing to ask, especially if you have an e-commerce website. Focus on the most important pages in your funnel. And this is page experience update is an seo thing it's a ranking thing it's going to be a ranking factor but don't just do it for the rankings do it to make
1: do it the page for the user. More pleasant
0: and yeah, easier to for your customer pages. exactly so start with the key funnel pages start with the most common landing pages that could be your home page that could be a category page a product page and work on those and then the Cart and checkout, Google is not going to care about those. They're, hopefully they're not even being indexed on Google because why would they be? But fix those as well. Just, you know, layout shifts in the cart page, how how terrible is that? So fix your, your funnel pages, start there. And then if you have other non-funnel pages that are just landing pages, some content pages that are used as just to get... Traffic from search engines, work on those as well. But start with the most important one. I, I, If I blindly had to start working with an e-commerce client right now, I would definitely do the homepage, the category pages, and, and the product page. And I, I would make sure those are good. That was really, really good.
1: That's a great tip. And if there's one takeaway from all these, I think one thing that I remember is do a cleanup or spring cleaning. Remove the plugins that you don't use or you no longer use. Compress visual assets if you can, and talk to for if you you. The good thing is with PageSpeed Insights, they'll show you exactly your scores and what you can do to to correct those it won't be easy all the time so if you have a web developer talk to them and if you're still unsure how to and get if you started don't,
0: let me just jump in mm-hmm. sorry yep. Go if ahead. you don't have a web developer and you need to add a feature to your website so you're, you're on your own you're installing a plugin figuring out if it works like trying if the features match the thing you need and a lot of people are in this situation do a page speed insights test before and after installing the plugin. If everything goes from green or, or, or orange, yellow, whatever the color is, to red after you install a plugin, hey, you know what to do. Like If you still have to use it, go ahead, but know what the cost is.
1: That's a good tip. Yep. That's something that anyone can do and and, and test, right? Exactly. All right. Well, anything else that you want to say before I wrap this episode up?
0: No, I, I believe I've said enough. Okay. I, I think we're probably going to have another recap episode on Core Web Vitals once they're live. So right. in a month or two, we're probably going to talk about this again to see what happens, if there are any new studies or and stuff like that. For now, just it's spring. Do the cleanup. Yep. Don't be messy.
1: And if you're still unsure how to get started, we would love to help. Soberon has been doing this for, since Core Web Vitals has been um mentioned a year ago and he has been helping optimize a lot of websites we'd love to help please send us an email at hello at nohacksmarketing.com and i have to say it also that if you learn something new today we'd really um, appreciate it if you can leave a review or rating in any of your podcast platforms and that's it we'll see you in the next next week
0: talk to you next week Thanks for listening to No Hacks Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you can leave a rating on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit nohacksmarketing.com to subscribe.